Pastor Xavier Reese with a foreshadowing of God's sacrificial lamb. The individuals were to take some of the blood of the lamb, put it on the two doorposts, the lintel of the house, where they were going to eat the Passover. This we're going to see, blood is the key. It's the blood that's the focus. Not their good works, not who they were, not what they did, not what they believed apart from God's revelation, the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, you know what I mean? Bathe me in it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lamp, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Just as Jesus' shed blood was the atonement for sin, as this New Testament passage from 1 Corinthians 5 proclaims, so too was faith in a blood atonement necessary for the Israelites awaiting deliverance from Pharaoh out of Egypt. And so, continuing our series in Exodus, Pastor Xavier delivers a simple truth study of the very first observances of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The message is entitled, The Passover at Egypt. Uh, the nine plagues Yahweh has poured upon Egypt has nearly destroyed it. He's uh, turned the Nile River into blood, brought frogs, lice, flies, disease upon the cattle, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. He's got one more. And God, in his usual manner, he warns Pharaoh about this last one in chapter 11 through Moses. And at times God warned Pharaoh, and then at times he didn't. What times he didn't is because he warned them and he became arrogant. But what we do know is that God never brings judgment without first warning. So let's not blame God. Now comes the Passover that led to the exodus of the Hebrews from Egypt. And uh, it consists of three movements. The first we find in verse 1 through 20, the institution of the Passover. Secondly, we have the implementation of the Passover in verses 21 to 28. And then we have the execution at the Passover, verse 29 through 42. Let's begin here with the institution. Notice that verse 1 through 13, we have the preparation for the Passover. They're slaves, they've been in bondage, they don't know any that God is setting this up for them. Very important. The place is the land of Egypt. They're still there. This is the last plague. The priority of the month of Passover is the focus here in verse 2. Don't miss it. The month was to be the beginning of the months to them. In fact, in the next chapter, verse 4, it says, On this day you are going out in the month of Abib, the month of March, April. The month, notice, was to be the first month of the religious calendar of the Jews, different from their civil calendar. They have two calendars, religious and civil. The religious begins in April. Okay? Now, the calendar God assigned here was a lunar calendar, not the Earth's rotation around the sun, which is interesting. Each month starts with a new moon, reaching a full moon in the midst of the 28th day cycle. It's a lunar calendar, okay? 360 days a year, not 65. Interesting. That's the Genesis calendar. Passover falls always on a new moon, the first moon of spring. Notice verse 3 through 5, the congregation of Israel was to be instructed on the necessary provisions for the Passover. In verse 3, the congregation on the 10th month was to provide a lamb for each household. Okay, God is moving a nation out. God is dealing with family units, but he's going to narrow it down to the individual. This is very important as you go through this. Don't lose it. The household in verse 4 
Being too small, they could partner up with a neighbor if they didn't have no kids or something happened. They could partner up according to the reading and number, and they would do that. Verse 5 through 7, the requirement for the lamb is given to us. Real simple. Verse 5, the lamb was to be without blemish, a male, sheep or goat, doesn't matter. So this requirement goes all the way through the Levitical law later when it's codified. Verse 6, the lamb would be set apart for a certain amount of time. It says there that you would keep it apart to the 14th day. 10th to 14th, four days set apart. Then the whole assembly of congregation of Israel would kill it at twilight. Verse 6 tells us also. Now, the blood of the lamb was to be appropriated. Verse 7, very important here. The individuals were to take some of the blood of the lamb, put it on the two doorposts, the lintel of the house, where they were going to eat the Passover. This we're going to see, blood is the key. It's the token, okay? Nothing less. In 8 through 11, the instruction for the Passover meal is given. They were to eat uh, of the flesh, was very specific, on that night, they're ready to do the exodus. So he's talking about, it's, it's a quick thing. It's, it's, it's going on here. Uh, the manner of cooking is specified also. Roasted in fire with unleavened bread, bitter herbs, roasted in the fire. It's all intact. Unleavened bread. Leaven is a type of sin. Always in scripture, unless the context indicates it. But per se, it's always sin. It decomposes the composition. You put some in some bread, rises it up, right? Bitter herbs, they're bitter experience in Egypt. And if you look at the whole Passover meal, what the, the, uh, the Orthodox Jews, they do with the four cups, the meal, the breads, all of that, it, it, it fits perfect for Jesus Christ. And as we move along, I'll point some of these things out. Now notice in verse 9 and 10, the precautions for cooking and eating are also specified here. In verse 9, it was to be eaten raw, not boiled in water, roasted by fire, with the head and the legs in the entrails. In other words... No bone was to be broken, which is prophetic of Jesus Christ in Psalm 34, 20. Also in verse 46, you're going to get it again. When the centurions came up to um, break the legs of the, of the people on the cross with Jesus, the thieves were broken, but he was already dead. They didn't break his legs. Prophetic. It's even here in the Passover. Nothing was to remain until the morning. They were to burn it with fire, as we said earlier, verse 10. Now in verse 11, the anticipation of the meal was in view of the exodus. They were to be ready to leave and to eat the meal with the belts on their waist, sandals on their feet, staff on their hand, and they shall have eat it in haste. It was eat and run. Okay? They were to understand the protectiveness and the protection provided in the meal. Listen to what he says. It is the Lord's Passover. He explains this when you get to verse 12 and 13, the description of the Passover meal is given here. In 12, Yahweh was going to execute the 10th plague judgment. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. This is the protection. Straight across, he's going to kill the firstborn. Yahweh was going to include all, both man and beast. The first of everything. Because the first of everything belongs to the gods of Egypt. This is the greatest judgment, you understand? And then Yahweh was going to judge deities of Egypt by slaying their firstborn belonging to them. He says it clearly, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. At the end of 12, Yahweh was going to prove who he was. He says, I am the Lord Yahweh. You remember the words of Pharaoh in chapter 5, verse 2? Who is the Lord Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let the Israel go? 
I do not know the Lord Yahweh, nor will I let Israel go. Well, after this one, he will. He has come to know who Yahweh is. He's come to know how powerful he is. Look at 13. Yahweh was going to pass over the Hebrews and not judge them. The blood would be a sign for the Jews on the house where they were eating the meal. When Yahweh saw the blood, he would pass over them, it says there. The plague would not be on them to destroy them as he struck the land of Egypt. Keep in mind, it's the blood. That's the focus. Not their good works, not who they were, not what they did, not what they believed apart from God's revelation, the blood. Now, the emergent church hates the blood of Jesus. And there are a lot of people who just despise, they call it a bloody religion. Let me tell you something. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, you know what I mean? Bathe me in it. It is the only thing that God honors. Nothing else. And anybody tells you that he can come to God besides the blood of Jesus, he's totally unbiblical and he's on his way to hell and doesn't even know it. You understand? It's just that simple. Look at 14 through 20. The preparation for the unleavened feast because these are connected together. In verse 14, the Passover lamb meal was to be a memorial, as he says there, to keep the feast of the Lord throughout their generations. The Jews would keep it as a feast for an everlasting ordinance. So verse 14 is a transitional verse looking back. It's talking about the Passover feast that we just looked at from verse 1 through 13. And then in 15, the feast of Passover here is connected with unleavened. They're closely related, but they are distinct. Okay? The feast of unleavened bread would follow seven days. Eating unleavened bread. It tells us 15. Again, Leviticus 23, 6 would help you there. And the first day, they were to remove leaven from their houses. And the stern warning is clear. Whoever ate leaven from the first day to the seventh, that person would be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Now, you know as a parent, when you have something urgent to tell your child, you hit it from this angle, that angle, and you say, now you understand me? Now tell me exactly. I mean, right on the note. So when you read this, you say, why? Why is he so redundant? Why so repetitive? Because it's a very important historical event. And this is going to be passed on from generation to generation. You understand? And when you do that, if you don't pay attention and you don't realize the significance and the importance, you seem that some things aren't important. You drop them off. In 16, the restrictions during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the seventh day is holy convocation, a Sabbath. And the seventh day also, no work would be done upon it except for the food that you need to prepare to eat. That's all. So the first and the seventh are Sabbath days. So you can have three Sabbaths during the seventh day of unleavened bread. The first, the seventh, and the regular Sabbath. And when we, three Sabbaths, we try to scratch our head. It's because of that feast. You understand? Simple. Verse 17, the observer was to be for all their generations making their freedom from what? The slavery of Egypt. This is something to celebrate. The observance in verse 17 was for all generations. The command is, therefore, you shall observe the days throughout your generations everlasting ordinances. In 18, the two feasts are tied together. The Passover feast, the first month, the 14th day of the month, evening, unleavened bread, right? And then in 18, it rests until the first day of, of, of that month at evening. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. So this whole period begins with unleavened. That leaven is a type of sin, as we'll see. The summary statement is given in verse 19 and 20 about the seven days unleavened. All the leaven would be taken out of their houses. Nothing was to be found there. They weren't to eat of it at all. Do you think God meant that they weren't to eat leaven? 
It's very clear, you understand? Because leaven is always a type of sin, and we'll see this. The Passover is the oldest and longest religious feast celebrated in the world by Jews, remembering their salvation and deliverance from Egypt. Every Jew celebrates it throughout the world for 3,500 years. It's a special day. They were delivered, redeemed, set free. Passover was one of three feasts that every male Jew over the age of 20 had to be in Jerusalem. Exodus 23, 14 through 20, Leviticus 23, and other portions tell you also. In those three times, the other four surround those feasts so you would complete all of them. In the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, 5, you get a list of all the different foreigners that were there by the command in the day of Pentecost, according to law. The Passover consistently designated blood as a token God honored to escape judgment. It is no coincidence. The first sacrifice was made by God in Genesis 3.21 for the sins of Adam and Eve. The little animal died innocent. His blood atoned for their sins. His skin clothed them. The word atonement in the Hebrew is kofar. It means to cover. It doesn't mean to forgive. It means to cover. It's an IOU of the true payment to come, Jesus Christ. The Greek word atonement, break it up, at one minute, you're totally forgiven. You understand? Jesus Christ is the payment of the IOU promise in the Old Testament. It's the best way to put it. The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all trusted in blood sacrifice to approach God. The Levitical call and the law came, and it was codified, and only the blood could bring anybody close to God and bring forgiveness. And it was so valuable for that that God says, don't ever eat blood to the Jew. Leviticus 17.10 says, And whoever man of the house of Israel, the stranger that dwells among you who eats the blood, I will set my face against that person that eats blood, and I will cut him off from among the people of God. Leviticus 17.11 is the principle that's codified. Listen to it very carefully. Start in Genesis 3.21 with the first sacrifice. Here's the codified law. Listen carefully. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for your souls. The prohibition of leaven, again, is symbolic of sin. You ladies make some bread, you put some yeast, it rises. The father, even today, in the Jewish home, would cleanse all leaven out of the house and then he would put some crumbs around the house and and the kids have to go searching for it and when they find that they call their dad and he gets a feather and a wooden spoon and puts it in there and casts in the fire burn it expelling all sin from the house you understand during this time very symbolic a little sin permeates your entire life you tolerate little sin it'll eat you up it's like cancer it's like gangrene you understand Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, God's hands not short that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from God. And he says he turns his back on us. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. So I must confess my sin, acknowledge my sin with the lawyer for the defense in 1 John 2, 1. And by the way, he only takes guilty pleads. When I acknowledge and confess, then he forgives my sin and he keeps me in fellowship. You understand? He's a different type of lawyer. He doesn't let you slide. Paul put it this way. Your glory is not good. Do you not know that little leaven leavens the whole lump? He told us to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5, 6. He tells us to Galatians in 5, 9. If we compromise, it'll hurt me 
than my wife, my children, people around me, but most of all, my fellowship with God. You can make believe you're talking on the phone, but if it's not working, you're only deceiving yourself, right? It's real simple. The Passover lamb was prophetic of Jesus to provide salvation to the world. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world in John 1, Every Jew knew exactly what that meant. They had been schooled for 2,000 years since Abraham. Then through Moses, of course, the last 500. Paul puts it this way to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8. Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. Talking about the Christian. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was crucified for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with all leaven, nor with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So he ties Passover and the Feast of Unleavened together in the fulfillment, right? Christ did it. And we trust him for our salvation. The unleavened feast was prophetic of Christ also. The bread represented his body. He was born in Bethlehem. How's the bread? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Without sin, if you look at a matzah, bread, it has stripes. The stripes that he received for us, Isaiah 53. It's right there before them. <laughs> Jesus was also buried the first day of the Feast of Unleavened. You know, Passover, a sundown, they took him off. First day of unleavened bread. And the Feast of first fruits followed the first day after the Sabbath, which would be what? Sunday. So prophetic of Jesus, he was the Passover lamb. He was buried the first day of unleavened without sin. And the Sunday, three days later, he rose. Passover, unleavened, Feast of Harvest. First three fulfilled. The day of Pentecost, giving of the law, 50 days after the Exodus, the giving of the Holy Spirit. That's fulfilled. How interesting. Listen to Paul. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23. For, for as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits after those who are Christ that is coming. He's talking about the resurrection. Jesus was the first fruit, the sample of all those who will follow in like kind. Interesting. The institution of the Passover was prophetic of Christ. Now notice, secondly, you have the implementation of the Passover, 21 through 28. Because instructions and information is good, but if you don't implement it, it doesn't help you, does it? Look at 21. Moses instructed the elders to perform the Passover. He called the elders, told them to pick out a lamb for themselves according to families, and then to kill the Passover lamb. In 22, Moses instructed the elders on the blood. Very important. This is the key. They were to take the bunch of hyssops, little plant that grows on rocks, kind of for medicinal purpose, and also they use it for kind of like a sponge thing. Dip it in the blood that was in the basin. They strike the lint of the two doorposts of the blood from the basin, and they were, not one person was to go outside the door of his house till the morning. They were to abide in the house. You step outside, you're dead. You remember the city's of refuge? You stayed in there to the death of the high priest. You step out, the blood redeemer gets you. It's your fault. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't abide in me, I will cut you off and cast you into the fire. That's an illustration with a very specific and personal application to the individual. You understand? Stay in the house. 
Abide in me. Look at 23. Moses communicated the reason for the blood. The Lord would pass through and strike the Egyptians. They had nine plagues of evidence. What would make them think the tenth one wasn't coming? Notice they would have to do it individually in obedience by faith to God's revelation. So he's pulling a nation out. He focuses on, on the fam- heads of family, but then individually. It always comes down to individually, right? God does not save by family packages, which the God he did. He does not. In verse 23, when Yahweh saw the blood and the lentil, the two doorposts, he would not allow the destroyer to strike them at the house. The phrase Passover means to spring over, to leap over. So he see the blood, hurdle. Want to strike it. That was a protection. Some people call him the death angel, but really here our text tells us it's God, Yahweh, who killed him. You understand? He did it. This is the only provision he honors. This was the indication that those in the house believed the revelation. Look at 24 and 25. Moses was to instruct them to instruct their future generation. They were to celebrate the Passover forever in 24. They were to keep in the land that God would give to them and he would give it to them. And in 26 through 28, they were to instruct their children about the celebration's meaning. And they were to answer, this is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. Two things happened. Those who believed in the blood were delivered. Those who did not were killed. That's pretty solemn. This is repeated later on in chapter 13, verse 8 through 10, and other portions also. The response of the people was recorded in the end of 27 and 8. They bowed their heads and worshiped. What else can you do when you understand what he's done? The children of Israel went away doing the Lord, what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. All God wants is obedience in my life. You understand? Nothing else. The inscription on the Plymouth Rock Monument is a challenge to every generation of Americans. Talk about passing your, gen- your faith on. We have to pass our traditions to Americans also. But listen to what it says there. Quote, This part marks the final resting place of the pilgrims of the Mayflower. In weariness and hunger and cold, fighting the wilderness and burying their dead in a common grave that the Indians should not know how many had perished, they here lay the foundation of the state in which all men of the countless ages should have liberty to worship God in their own way. All you who pass by and see this stone, remember and declare yourselves anew and dedicate yourself anew to the resolution that you will not rest until this lofty idea shall have been realized throughout the earth. Liberty. Jesus celebrated the Passover, as you know, with his disciples. Luke twenty two seventeen through 20 again, he took the cup, gave thanks, and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to them and saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you. So there he's standing. He's the fulfillment of it. I'm the fulfillment. The Jewish Passover is entirely symbolic of Christ. Over and over again. And so the implementation of the Passover was individually looking forward to Christ, the Redeemer to come. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, closing our study of the Passover today with Jesus' prophecy of his own sacrifice on our behalf. And there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply The Passover at Egypt. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Passover at Egypt, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 